Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Naomi Rovnik and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. What would a female-driven workplace look like? Deborah Hargreaves, former FT journalist and founder of the High Pay Centre think tank, spent a year talking to women to research this topic, and she came into the studio to discuss her findings with Isabel Berwick and Josh Noble. As women, we've always had to fit into a workplace that was not set up for us. So, Deborah, how did you go about your research and what were your main findings? So I set out to interview as many women as I could right across the spectrum through all different ages and at all different levels of their careers. And I did this by one-to-one interviews and I had a former colleague of mine helping me as well with the interviews. We did group meetings and online chats and so between us I think we spoke to about 150 women altogether. And the more we spoke to people, while everyone's experiences are obviously different. There were very, very common themes coming through this. One of the themes that I was quite shocked about was that the workplace hasn't actually changed that much. And in some ways, we've gone backwards. But one of the other very strong themes is this caring role, that women are often doing the bulk of caring work for children or relatives or elderly parents. And that's a very important role, which they also see themselves in as well as in the workplace. And yet... The workplace doesn't really accommodate that very well. We've got concessions and their various maternity leave and flexible working, but it's still essentially a male-driven workplace and with normal patterns of male working. And it's been set up that way and it hasn't changed to accommodate all of us women coming to the workplace. So I thought, well, why don't we just think about things differently? Could we put caring first? Could we say that that's the most important job that society will ever do? And then couldn't work fit round that? Mm. Josh, you've recently taken advantage of changes to the law that allow people to take extended leave and you took extended paternity leave. What do you think about Deborah's findings? Yeah, I think one of the things that's really struck me is how many people my age you know, new fathers my age are keen to spend as much time at home as possible. This sort of idea that you take two weeks and then you disappear back to the office and you're kind of gone from morning till night. I think that's increasingly outdated. And I think men my age are increasingly pushing to spend more time at home and they want to be involved. So it's not just a case of the burden falling on one side of a couple. It's also the opportunity because lots of dads want to be involved. They want to be at home. They want to spend time with the kids. And the workplace isn't designed to allow that flexibility either because most companies I think still will offer two weeks paternity leave as standard and you're back to work. What I think would help is if actually paternity leave was also more generous because it signals from the company to its employees we really value the fact that you want to spend time caring for somebody who needs your your care and we're going to open up that time for you to do it, whether you're a mother or a father or a son, whoever. So I think that's one of the things that could help everyone is just by levelling the playing field of opportunity as much as of responsibility. 
Yeah, it's really good to hear that from someone of your generation because when I started work, I have this conversation with my male colleagues about how I would rush home in order to get there for bath time. And they would all say, oh, no, we stay in the office as long as we can to avoid bath time. So it's really nice to hear that fathers are actually taking more of a role. And in Sweden, they have these rules where you can share 18 months parental leave between you and it's paid for most of that time. So they have very good parenting rules in the Nordic countries mainly. How far do you think that businesses are still running on this very male idea that you have to be 100% committed to the business? Because what we're talking about here, a shift to a caring-based business, is quite a big shift. What's your sense of how far businesses have shifted in terms of what's important to their business? Well, not that far, actually. I mean, the women I spoke to were all saying, you know, we would like to have more flexible opportunities and yet we don't want to look as if we're not serious about our careers. So we don't want to be the only one that's leaving early and we don't want to make it look like we have special needs. So why can't the men go early to pick up their kids or why can't the single men go early for football practice? You know, that sort of thing. So it becomes a normal thing to ask for rather than just a special thing for women. And I think that is the real crux of the problem, is that it's got to be seen as a societal issue and not just a women's issue. And as you say, Josh, you know, the more that men ask for it, the more it seems like it's spread right across the sexes. And it's not just about women being different or women being seen to be less serious. Because I think the workplace has got to come to terms with the changing world and to a large extent hasn't really done that yet. It's fitted women in around the existing structure and we've had concessions and we've come some way if you think about what it was like when my mum started working and she had to leave her job when she got married because they didn't employ married women. So we have come far, but I think there's a lot further to go. Do you think there's an economic case for the things you're proposing? We've talked a lot about diversity as being a driver for growth in business. Would you place this report within that context or do you think this is going a step further? Well, I think a happy, contented workforce is a more productive workforce. And if you think from your own experience, if you're sitting there worried about who's picking your kids up or one of your children is ill at home or your elderly parent has had a fall, you're not going to be concentrating that well on your work. And if you can just go at that point and then come back to your work later, you, I think, would be more productive. But also in the report, I do quote a really wonderful woman who's a professor of management at Bath University, Margaret Heffernan, who's also run five businesses herself. And she says, as society, we care for each other, you know, and this is a society, we're not machines. And business needs to come to terms with that because without society, there is no successful business. So there is a strong business argument to be made for treating people fairly. So we read a lot about AI freeing up workers' time. Do you think this will be relevant in terms of freeing us up to take on more caring responsibilities? Well, I hope so, because I think there are different paths that could be taken with AI. And I think we run the risk of going into this sort of dystopian future where AI takes over a lot of jobs and then we just kick people out with really nothing 
to focus on or we destroy a lot of jobs and we don't use AI in a beneficial way. I'd like to think that we could use it to create more meaningful jobs and shorter hours so that people can do some work. Maybe they can combine that with some volunteering and some leisure interests as well as their caring responsibilities, but also that you become a more rounded person and that you have work as just part of your life rather than being your whole life. If we can use AI in that way, then I think it is going to be really beneficial. But I also fear it could be used in a not so benevolent way in that we all end up with a few people at the top in very, very highly paid, busy roles and the rest of us just all kicking around watching daytime TV. One area that set a terrible example is Parliament, where I believe you launched your report and women having to choose between motherhood and their career. And Stella Creasy, the Labour MP, recently said that when she approached the body that regulates MPs' pay, they said to her they don't recognise that MPs go on maternity leave. Did you speak to anyone in politics or any MPs for this report? Or what's your perception? I mean, it's shocking, isn't it? I was really shocked by that. I haven't actually spoken to any MPs about this because I thought once the report is done, then I'm going to go and talk to MPs about the findings because I felt that I wanted to have some evidence to take to them. There is a study that was done by the Fawcett Society, which lobbies on behalf of women. They did a study into job shares for MPs because that would open up Parliament to much more diverse range of candidates because, of course, they have long hours voting in the evenings as well. So it's a very, very unfemale friendly workplace. At the moment, you cannot have a job share MP because you can't have two names on the ballot paper. You would need a change in the law to achieve that. But it seemed like a really good idea to me and a really good way of combining a very busy role and also would be helpful for men and people of other diverse backgrounds as well. This is a report by and about four women. Josh, do you think there's a risk that men could feel alienated or or what's the way to bring men into the conversation? I think that with a lot of these issues we talked about, like parental leave, some of those areas are beginning to become a broad, non-gender specific topic of discussion anyway. We've seen some businesses introduce a parental leave policy rather than a separate maternity and paternity policy. And I think the more that happens, the better for everyone, really, because you want, like I said before, like an equilibrium of approach. I was part of a parenting class and there were six couples in our group. I took five months off through the shared parental leave. There were another two dads who took shared parental leave, which meant months at home with their babies. And then there was a fourth dad out of six who worked contracts. So he then, when his contract was up, when his baby was very small, he just let the contract lapse and didn't renew it. So he also took time off. So out of six, six dads, four of us took months off rather than just settling for the two weeks that's standard these days. But if I think about some of my groups of friends, say, from home or university, when they've worked in industries which haven't been particularly forward-thinking about some of these things, they've taken the two weeks and that's it. And that includes new dads where the children have had health problems or you know they've been kept in hospital for weeks. So they find themselves back at work, full-time commuting, and their newborn child is still in the hospital. And to me, that really hit home that complete lack of flexibility where even the thought of being able to spend enough time at home so that you can bring your child home from the hospital and welcome into their new home 
if you have two weeks, I mean, there are so many situations where that just won't happen, which is another reason why people are really pushing for paternity leave to be part of a much broader package of measures to improve everyone's lives at work. So will men be taken aback by some of these findings? I'm sure there are some men who will, but I don't think they would have been swayed by a different report. (laughs) And I think it's not a universal thing, but the generational change, the younger people, I think, see things in a certain way. And that trend is going to continue regardless. Deborah, what's next for your report? Well, again, I'm hoping that men will pick up on it too, because I think this is important for society. It's not just for women. We have to see this in the whole. I mean, I have also made a short film to go with this report. And I must say, I have shared it with some of my female friends so far. And I've got lots of feedback saying they cried when they watched it. And I've also shared it with some of my male former colleagues of the FT and other men. And I actually don't think anyone has has watched it because I've got no feedback from them at all. Just emails saying, oh, this is an interesting report. So I really think we have to kind of push it under men's noses and make them engage with this. And let's hope we can build on it. So I would like to build on this. I think women need to be braver about speaking out and speaking up and saying who they are and how they want to be themselves in the workplace. And I'd like to try and start a movement where we try and build on this. Deborah and Josh, thank you for coming and speaking up today. It's important for men as well as women. We need equality in leadership. That was Isabel Berwick, editor of FT Work and Careers, talking to Deborah Hargreaves, director of the High Pay Centre, and Josh Noble, weekend news editor. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on political violence in Germany, Vladimir Putin's views on the liberal elite, or noise pollution, you can find them on all the usual podcast platforms. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.